I am Sergio Brodsky, and I'm a brand and foresight strategist. And I'm Jazz Giuliani, the editor of Marketing Mag. Welcome to Futurecast, the podcast where we talk with professional futurists, renowned academics, and high-profile business leaders from around the world. In this series, we think about the future so that we can meaningfully change the present. The time is now. Join us for better futures. This episode of Futurecast is proudly sponsored by Adobe. To discover the skills marketers need today and in the future, visit marketo.com or click the link in our episode notes. So welcome back to Futurecast. Today we have with us Yasmina Pinto, who is the head of brand at AGL. Thank you for joining us, Yasmina. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me along to have a chat. Absolutely. So when we talk about futures, the future of energy is obviously hugely relevant when it comes to conversations about sustainability and how essential services intersect with technology and our daily lives. And obviously that's something that I'm sure you spend a lot of time thinking about. So AGL is obviously a longstanding major player in the Australian market, but for anyone listening overseas or maybe who isn't so familiar with the sector, could you just give us a little quick background about who AGL is as a company and its role in the market? Uh, sure. So probably the best way to describe AGL as it is, um, I guess, as it has been historically is as an integrated energy business. And what that means is um, there are a lot of energy retailers out in market at the moment, but AGL is also a generator of energy. So having been around for 180 years, it started off obviously in gas, lit Sydney's first gas street lamp, um, and was a very fundamental brand to getting energy across Australia. then went into electricity production. I'm sure there was other things that happened along there in the history with hydro and other sources of energy. And more recently in the last 10, 20 years, it's really invested quite heavily in renewables. I think as energy changes and energy usage and generation changes, because we're moving away from these sort of traditional centralised models of generating energy, AGL is also changing because as energy stops becoming made at big old-fashioned power plants effectively what that means is there are smaller households businesses that will start to generate energy and that will all be shared across the grid agl's role also needs to evolve and essential services has evolved so whereas agl's been in the role of providing energy to customers essential utilities also now include the internet and mobile. So AGL's recently started expanding into some of those services. So it's no longer going to be an integrated energy company. It will be a modern type of utility company. We don't know what we're going to quite call it yet, but it's sort of in the business of connections, connecting people to essential services that they need to live their lives. So I hope that kind of makes a little bit of sense in terms of the field that we're playing, because I think it's evolving right as we speak. It does make a lot of sense, and it's it's very clear to see how how blurred the boundaries have become. I mean, AGL now entering the telco space with broadband connectivity, uh, uh, mobile plans, and you even launched very recently the, the Netflix of EVs. So electric vehicles are becoming part of the offering. But I, I would be interested to understanding in in your role as head of brand, and when we're planning for a brand, we plan in incremental cycles, but 
ultimately annual cycles. It's the is the annual plan of the brand. But AGL is has recently entered this massive transition for the next 10, 20, 30 years. Many, many new things happening and of course, the big ticket item is decarbonization, as we all know. From your brand seat, how involved are you in the future direction of the business? Let's say five years from now, not in the next year when the next brand plan takes effect. Um, maybe to answer that question, I'll sort of share a philosophy of mine, which is that a good brand strategy needs to have a foot in the past, a foot in the present and a third foot, it's a weird being, um, in the future. (laughs) So I think whenever we're kind of thinking about um, embedding our brand strategy, we're thinking about who have we been historically and what do people already know about us, who who do we want to be and where do we want to go and what's the DNA of the business as it is right now at this moment. So when I think about, I guess, brand strategy and my involvement with the business strategy really or the corporate strategy for AGL, it kind of has to be on all time horizons. So, for example, when we think quite long term, five years and beyond, obviously that's what we're focusing on today, the future. One of the conversations that we had a couple of years ago when I first started was, well, what does the brand, what will the brand be in the future and what does the brand want to be? And so when we talked about that, we talked about the fact that 10 years or more, like the long-term horizon, it's actually really, in our field, it's really difficult to know what is going to be happening in 10 years' time. I mean, I remember, mm. gosh, I remember, you know, thinking that I'd have a hovercraft by now um, and I still don't have it, so that's disappointing. <laughs> um, so it's just too difficult to know what will happen on such a long horizon. We think the midterm, though, you know, in the next five years plus is actually a lot easier for us to plan for. So what we did was we embarked on our actual organisational purpose is our brand strategy. It's effectively how we're uh, shaping the culture and vision for the business and informing the decisions that we make moving forward, and that is a long-term vision. So for us it's long-term, but actually I suppose for the conversation today I'm having it's a mid-term because I'm really thinking of it as five years, maybe five to ten years, but not not necessarily. It could be enduring, hopefully it will be, but it might not be relevant in ten years' time because who really knows? So there's that sort of vision setting that happens on that mid-length horizon, but then in terms of planning, so tactical, I'd probably say it's one to two years really ahead that we really need to be thinking about because, I mean, things don't move as quickly and nimbly as they do in smaller organisations. So I think you've always got to be sort of thinking about, okay, how does this year set me up for next year and, you know, what are, what's happening in the industry and what are we doing there? So there's kind of this one to two year tactical planning horizon and then there's a quarterly horizon, which is what you've got to do to get your budgets approved, to get across the line, to make sure you're delivering. So you're kind of thinking on, at least three different time horizons all the time if that is sort of fitting into this sort of future planning it's like there's the short term there's the midterm and the long term and that's ultimately the way our team approaches it what i know and in fact that's that's actually how we met was that uh, agl recently defined its enterprise-wide purpose and as as a piece of work uniting both brand and business um and you know, I was there. I worked on that piece on, on that on that piece of uh, work on that project. Um, but in what way that future proofs the business against the myriad market market changes by defining this new enterprise wide 
purpose and uh, also to what extent defining this purpose is different from a brand strategy piece of work? I think the purpose for us is actually more about a, a, a vision, a why we exist, a way of doing things rather than a list of things that we're actually going to be doing. So when we when we set it out, when we set out to do it, we were trying to really understand the possible directions the business might go in or that the macro environment might take us in and a purpose that felt true to who we are, true to our history and our expertise, but flexible enough to meet a range of emerging needs and to be able to inform of why we do things and how we do things despite what sort of product or service we sell, what sort of industry we operate in, it's kind of sits above that would probably be the way I would explain that. How it's different to a brand strategy is a, is a good question because ultimately I suppose it depends on the fundamental question of how the business manages brand and what you think the role of a brand strategy in a business is. AGL is in a business where... Traditionally, the category has been very tactically competitive, very price-led competition. If you think about it, it's an invisible commodity. It's literally the same product from anyone you buy it from. It's a low-involvement sector. So it's not a sector where brand has uh, been a, a, a strong driver, but actually that means there's an opportunity for brand to be a strong driver. So rather than doing a brand marketing strategy the purpose was really a brand enterprise strategy so we were thinking of brand and culture and the who we are and how we do things as the way that we wanted to drive brand forward rather than a brand marketing strategy which is your traditional strategy of a value proposition or you know I guess how you want to position your brand against competitors and then what we did was we thought about all of our audiences because we've got wide audiences. So everyone from employees to customers to investors to the media, government, community groups, there's a whole range of audiences that we deal with. But really specifically thinking about our customer audiences, our number one audiences, the customer value proposition became more of that sort of traditional role of a brand strategy where we really talked about, well, what are the things we want to be famous for? How will we deliver on them? And then have tactical plans against those so for us, it was having the conversation about do we need a brand strategy or what, what do we actually need to lead this business into the future? And personally, I mean, as a brand person, obviously I love brand and I love anything to do with brand, but I don't really care if it's called brand because whatever you want to call it, brand is inherent to the business, is, is inherent to the whole company, is inherent to the culture, is inherent to the products and services, to what you stand for, how you do things, what your position is in market. All of those things, whether you want to call it a brand strategy or a purpose strategy or a CVP, I really don't care. What I care about is that the business is unified and that what we stand for is very clear in market. Well, hopefully we're seeing from that uh, an evolution, a brand strategy 2.0 emerging from this exercise. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that, the brand enterprise st strategy and how you sort of talk about all of those things being interlinked, you know, that whether that be the strategy, um, the purpose, it's all embedded in the culture and the way that organisation actually runs and how hmm. they do things. Um, so I understand that AGL now has its own future department, which is really intriguing to me. 
how does that relate to the broader marketing and brand teams from your perspective? Look, the business is evolving and the future business and technology team are really thinking about long-term corporate horizons. So they're thinking about where will our commercials come from? What will customers need? They are really thinking long-term big picture. So they're the teams that are driving things like, you know, how will we increase electric vehicle adoption across Australia? Because ultimately one of the biggest opportunities that AGL can play in market as a big energy provider is to help drive scale. So anyone can, you know, sell an electric car, but to actually make it widely accessible, easy for the mass market, understandable, AGL could play a really strong role there. That's a really long horizon though. We're not going to in the next year have a massive uptake of electric vehicles. I mean, I'm sure there's people who think we might, but and maybe we will have a spike. Who knows? That's what we'd love to see. But it is a long-term game and that's one of the fields that they're exploring amongst others, of course. Um, there is also a team, though, that works in our retail side of the business, the customer market side of the business, which is, you know, the, the business that we're in, um, in the brand team as well. And th- they also do quite a bit of future-focused stuff. It's just that it's sort of on a shorter-term horizon, maybe in the next one year or two years or three, as we call them, the emerging products team. So there are things that we can already test with customers or take to market that, you know, might be incremental improvements or trials. So there's a lot sort of happening in that space and the marketing team really support them to target niche audiences or early adopters or whoever it be. Um, The future business and technology team are probably more focused on the big ticket long-term stuff that might even need... um, transformational technological advancement to take us to a whole nother direction. Content Brain specialises in content creation across a diverse range of topics for many industry sectors. If you need help with content development for your blogs, thought leadership, white papers, video, podcasts or special projects, talk to the team at Content Brains. You'll find links in our episode notes. Yeah, I think that there's obviously a lot that marketers can learn in in different industries and different sectors from that approach that you're talking about. And I think that that's um, really interesting that you you bring that up. Under this development, AGL recently announced the launch of AGL Next. So from my understanding, this is focused on innovation and it's designed to develop, test and pilot new ideas and programs across energy, telecommunications and beyond. Can you tell us a little bit about this initiative? Yeah, sure. So AGL Next is really a home for all of the wonderful innovation activities happening across AGL. So, I mean, this is this is an important thing. If you are in a business that embraces change and is always going through change, I mean, that can have its pros and cons. And AGL has over the 180 years of history been through a lot of change. It inherently means there there is innovation happening because people are always thinking about what's next, how do we improve this, how do we do that. And there are brilliant things happening in the business, particularly in the space of decentralising energy, which basically means sort of reducing reliance on big coal, I guess, uh, coal-fired generation and increasing uptake of things like solar and batteries and electric vehicles and so on. Uh, So there's lots of wonderful innovations that are happening at AGL, but one of the challenges we have is they're all these sort of micro stories 
Uh, and look, there's some big stories there as well, but there is no one place or one way that we can engage with our audiences on the innovation because it's happening in all sorts of different places. It might be a pilot or a trial going to a certain customer by email, or it might be that we're testing something over here in a research group or partnering with a, another corporation to try some sort of a partnership that delivers a new service to customers. So there's lots of different things going on, but there isn't a centralised way of really talking about it. So the role of AGL Next is to create, I call it a wrap, it's maybe not the most technical term, but a bit of a, a, a bit of a home for all of those things so that when we're talking to market about all of the ways that we're exploring what's coming in the future, about all of the ways that we're testing the appeal of new products and services that are perhaps a little bit different or innovative, we've got a way of actually introducing it. And the beauty of AGL Next is it's a descriptor. It's not a separate business unit. It's not a division. It's a branded descriptor. So what it does is it actually brings the equity of all of those innovation activities into the AGL brand rather than into some sort of new brand. But it also keeps these activities a little bit at arm's length. So our customers know when they're getting something from AGL Next, it's not from AGL, the big AGL that you've come to know and trust to, you know, keep the lights on. So because it's from AGL Next, it, you know, might not be perfect. Maybe we're still playing with it. We want to hear your feedback. We're trying this and we may succeed with it or it may shut down. So we're almost opening the door to give our customers permission for things to be imperfect for us to test and learn. We're opening the door for our partners to sort of not have this massive expectation of how perfect things might be in terms of partnering with us. We're reducing the barriers to, um, I guess, work with them. And we're also attracting people who really want to be part of innovation because we're starting to show them and tell them all the wonderful things we're doing under AGL Next. So from a branding perspective, it solves a couple of our challenges but we're not necessarily doing any new work that we weren't already doing we're just storytelling it a lot better because there's already lots going on it's just that we can actually now have a way of talking about it mm, no it's it's really interesting and the parallels that i can see between agl next and a few other brands are, are also quite telling with google there is also a, a separate division that works on moonshots and that's all about you know the very long-term future i believe that anno the the italian energy company also has a, a division that is dedicated for the future and it does solve a few problems it does allow you to storytell innovations in a, a, a in a more i guess consolidated way uh, mm. especially because it's happening across the many units of the business but doesn't that create a new problem as well uh, and you know just putting my brand hat on when it comes to managing brands we all know that less is always better than more managing a few brands is going to be easier than managing too many brands uh, and in the sense, what would be the relationship between AGL Next and the master brand AGL? And how do you, do you see AGL Next contributing to the desired future of the master brand? Yeah, well, I think importantly uh, for me, it was important that we didn't create a separate brand because the purpose of it is to ensure that we're leveraging the equity of all the innovation activity that we're doing into the master brand. So. The reason it's called AGL Next is because it's a descriptor of our business. It's a part of our business. It's a part of AGL. So we want to make sure AGL is part of the name. It doesn't have a separate logo. The word next is actually 
just a descriptor locked up with our standard logo. And the word next is very uh, self-explanatory, intuitive. It's talking about us thinking about what's next, about us showing you what's next. So I think for me it's the right balance of keeping it very close to the master brand and making sure all of that equity is transferred to the master brand because it's not a second brand, it's a descriptor. That's the way I think of it. Uh, but also not just having it called AGL with a program name or something like that because ultimately we need if AGL was to roll out a product or service and do a bad job of it, we wouldn't be given the same permission to fail. Our customers expect the experience to be smooth and simple and easy and of good quality. That's the sort of expectation you get from a big brand like AGL. Mm-hmm. But what AGL Next allows us to do is to maybe make mistakes or have things imperfect that we wouldn't necessarily want to transfer to the master brand. So I think it's this tension, this stretch between keeping things linked to the master brand but at an arm's length. And that's why the descriptor I think is a good solution because it's not a sub-brand, it's literally just an arm of the brand that is maybe a little bit different to the Mm -hmm. core brand you've come to know and trust. Well, this is so interesting. I mean, I can imagine that with... uh... A descriptor like that and people in the business working under that descriptor, it may have a halo effect in terms of uh, uh, delivering this creative oxygen across the business and giving people more permission to fail, more permission to to try and dare with new solutions. Uh, In that sense, this could be quite powerful for the internal culture as well. Do you see it this way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's been, it's actually been really pleasantly surprising how enthusiastically the business has gotten behind it. Mm. I think it's almost, it's almost like you don't know what you don't have until you've got it because it's also given people a way to unify their efforts and a way to talk to their partners and the market and attract innovation candidates to roles and talent, you know, into AGL. And so I think, at, at the moment, you know, it is a bit of a it is a bit of a baby. It's a bit of a toddler, and it's going to grow up into a child and an adolescent and an adult someday. And we need to put the meat behind the bones on it. But the more that we add case studies, the more that we tell stories about what we've tried as a team working on innovation, the stronger it gets. So it's a bit like we're nurturing it, and the people and the culture within the business are the ones that bring it to life. It's not us. It's not the brand team because this is a device. It's a vehicle. It's not necessarily just the marketers using it. It's actually all the people who work on innovation who help us tell those stories. So it's effectively a way to unify our employees and it's been really popular for that reason. Obviously, with any big innovation or when you're trying something new, there is failure. And I think that creating that space, as you say, Yasmina, for for testing for imperfection and for trying to get it right but also allowing room to fail is actually you know it's necessary for any it's always tricky for brands as well because I mean no brand wants to deliver a product or service to a customer that's less than great Uh, but you kind of want to involve your customers and get their feedback and learn what's working and what's not working so having a convention with which to do that can be very helpful and look there will be times and there are times that we might want to create a completely separate brand. We might not want to associate things with AGL. So there, there's, there are exceptions. This is not the only solution. It's just a way of talking about some of the stuff where customers do give us permission to play. And 
they they enjoy being a part of it. They enjoy co-creating with us as well. I think that's important that there's a relationship with the customer where they're part of that design and feedback process. I think if there's anything that's come out of this period of time as well, uh, from my perspective, you know, writing about marketing every day and talking to different brands is listening has been a big key during this Mm. period of COVID and it probably will be beyond as people are, you know, as businesses are transforming uh, with the world. So switching gears a little bit, what's AGL's approach to the future? Do you see it being something that's customer-led, technology-led, brand-led or something else, you know, or is it a combination of all of these things? Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I mean, ultimately as customers' needs change, obviously we have to change because our, our that's at the end of the day our role is to serve the customer. That's how we stay in business. It's how we have a role and a purpose in people's lives and in the economy and in Australian communities. That's our role. There are other drivers. I mean, customer needs are drivers, but I mean, we have investors. We're a listed business, so we have shareholders as uh, stakeholders. Mm. And ultimately, we have to deliver returns to them as well. So I think we we have to be very future focused in order to not only think about how we meet needs, but how we remain commercial, how we evolve and adapt and find new sources of revenue as our industry and environment change. And I think those things combined with even just um, societal trends and pressures will inform, I guess, how we think about the future. So it's a combination of all of those things, but it's an ongoing evolution for every business, I think. It's just being really acutely comfortable and aware of it that makes the difference. Energy is something as well that isn't just, it's a national issue or something that we all care about, you know, as a nation to push forward and have an interest in, I suppose. You know, I'm just curious, what do you see as being the next big thing in the in the sector? Oh, look, <laughs> I, yeah, it's probably, I think it's probably a tricky thing to answer because there's probably a lot of stuff going on and some things that I possibly can't even talk about Mm. um look obviously you know I think what's really exciting for AGL is that we are moving into you know we just bought the southern phone company so we um, now own an internet Mm. and mobile business um I think we're moving into electric vehicles I think that's a really exciting space there are certainly lots of adjacencies that AGL can explore and I think ultimately one of the big things is the way that energy is made and shared and used is changing. So the fundamental shift that will really change our business is the fact that the decentralisation of energy, uh, so meaning that it's not just very a small number of big power plants that generate all the energy for Australia but that we have a range of renewables, we have a range of households and businesses that might participate in energy sharing with us that might actually start to generate their own energy. If you think about, for example, a local village, there would be, let's say even a town, there might be one power plant that basically powers that whole town. The alternative of that is if every house and business in that town had solar and a battery that they can both be self-sufficient but they can also share their energy with others in the town they can share their energy 
with the trader in you know this case that could be AGL and we could supply that to another town if there's extra in one town and not so much in another town the trick is really being able to store and share that energy so the decentralization of energy means energy comes from lots of sources and you know you kind of orchestrate that the word we use in the industry is orchestrate the use of that energy so I mean with that changing you can see how there's lots of opportunities emerging for other services like smart home and you know other ways that you make your home more efficient and you make your home operate and sort of expanding the role beyond just the home but to your transport and to your business and so there are a lot of adjacencies I don't know how much I can go into on some of the other industries that might be relevant but you could start to kind of envision and unpack how as our lives change AGL's role might change too. And speaking of which, in this in this change from adjacencies, from chasing adjacencies, uh, AGL is to a degree going to a big intersection, and a big intersection that involves energy, communications, and transportation. Uh, even though it's quite light right now with with this Netflix for EVs, uh, uh, the subscription subscription service, we're not yet manufacturing vehicles uh, or, or, or anything else related to that. But, you know, the, the, the path is already laid uh, out ahead of AGL. And in this sense, and being very much in the eye of the storm, this is possibly one of the greatest transformation periods for uh, energy companies, not only AGL. Uh, and sitting in the, in, a, uh, in the brand role, how do you see your role changing with it? And to, the, to that end, what implications can you foresee for other brand managers operating in, in, in these intersections where boundaries are blurring between industries? And someone who maybe three months ago was, uh, was a brand manager of an energy company is now the brand manager of uh, something else that is even hard to define. Look, I think, I think the first and fundamental question is probably comes down to your philosophy on brand management. I mean, I subscribe to the school of strategic brand management or enterprise brand management, not brand marketing. I'm not necessarily the best marketer in the room, but I do think that I have a strong strategic brand alignment in terms of helping position the brand in a way that it will enable the business to do what it needs to do. So we take, a, I guess, a wider lens of how we deliver on brand. It's not just campaigns and identity and advertising and those sorts of things. It's also how we align our key messages across the business, how we engage our people to deliver on the the, the experience that we want to project. It's how we think about all of our audiences, how uh, we bring that experience to life across every touch point, really, for the customer. So if you subscribe to that philosophy, I think that understanding of the corporate strategy and where the business is going is something that you're sort of always thirsty for and seeking out and shaping to. So then the skill set that I think you probably need, and to be honest, this is probably in any job nowadays, I would say, in the corporate environment, is quite a bit of um, adaptability and agility because I've never, I have to say, worked in a role or it's certainly been a long time if I have where I've had a two-year plan and it's just been executing that plan for two years. That's absolutely never happens. Within three months of having locked in a plan, something will shift or change and you'll need to pivot and adapt and tweak things. And so there's this constant, I, I, I wouldn't say changing, but this this sense of constant adaptation, this sense of constant 
movement, this sense of constant agility that's required. And you kind of almost have to thrive on it rather than see it as a spanner in the works. So I think, I guess what I'm saying is in the roles that we do uh, in my team, I'm looking for people with quite a wide understanding of the macro factors influencing our jobs, a wide understanding of the business, a wide skill set, and quite a bit of agility and adaptability because the tasks are going to vary uh, depending on what the priorities for the business are. I never set out to create AGL Next when I started. It was just a, we had a business problem. It seemed like a befitting solution. People got enthusiastic about it. We made it happen. Who knows what's next? Literally. <laughs> uh, pun intended, you know. So same, same thing goes for what's next. We might find new ways to solve old problems. And I think the only way you can do that is by having this kind of quite strategic consulting mindset, like what's the business trying to solve for and what are the ways that brand can facilitate or enable that rather than limiting yourself to kind of going, how are we positioning ourselves? What campaigns are we doing? You know, which is I think how a lot of brand jobs tend to get pigeonholed. So, yeah, I mean, for me, my role is basically becoming quite a strong communications role, quite a strong influencing role, quite a strong tactical role at times as well in terms of actually delivering on what we need to deliver. But the one thing that's constant is that nothing is constant. Futurecast is the Marketing Mag podcast series brought to you by Content Brains and presented by Marketing Mag. Futurecast is produced by Joanne Davies, Head of Content Brains and Publisher of Marketing Mag. And Jazz Giuliani, Editor of Content Brains and Marketing Mag. Our executive producer is Sergio Brodsky with original music and audio production by Sam Boone. If you want further details on our podcast or our guests, please visit the episode notes in this podcast. Remember to subscribe to Futurecast so you never miss an episode.